Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We are going to talk about body weight set point and how we can bust through metabolic plateaus. So let's start with body weight set point and what that is. Um, Body weight set point is that weight that your body kind of tends to hover around. It likes to stay there. It's comfortable with this weight. And it's just kind of where, you know, kind of your go-to weight, where you tend to stay at, give or take three to five pounds. You know, like your body weight set point may be 150 pounds, but you might fluctuate from, you know, 148 to 152 in there. But generally speaking, you seem to stay kind of within that range. And ideally, your set point is at a healthy weight for you. And the idea is that your body works to keep you there. The problem comes in when your set point is higher than you you know want it to be or that might be healthy for you and your body considers that your new norm and works to keep you at that set point you know that's when you feel like your weight won't budge and you can't bust through that three to five pound buffer range and i want to help you understand why that can happen some of the mechanisms at play and what you can do about it so first and foremost It's important to know that your body is always trying to achieve homeostasis, okay, which is just a fancy way of saying a balanced state. That reminds me of Fancy Nancy, the Fancy Nancy books. Do you have a daughter or granddaughter who read those? I love them. You know, Fancy Nancy, she's always using fancy terms for basic words. And we have a lot of those in the health world. Um, And homeostasis is one of them. And it just simply means stable, a stable and balanced system. And so one of the mechanisms it's trying to keep stable and balanced is your energy. Okay, the fuel availability that keeps your body going so that you, you know, make sure to make sure you have enough to live. And so where do we get our fuel? Well, we get our fuel from food or from the food we have already stored on our body, also known as fat. And God designed us to carry some fat on our bodies to have an energy reserve, you know, kind of a backup plan in case food was scarce. And we, you know, needed to rely on that to burn his energy. Now, food scarcity is not so much a problem today, but historically, this was a matter of life and death. You know, our ancestors had to face feast and famine cycles or feast and fasting cycles. So, you know, sometimes there was plenty of food and sometimes there wasn't. But God designed our bodies to be able to handle these fluctuations by being metabolically flexible, able to burn both glucose and fat for energy, okay, being a sugar burner, burning carbs, and being a fat burner, burning fatty acids, um, and also burning the fatty acids already stored on our body. 
So this is the major concept I teach in Feast to Fast, you know, priming your body to burn both sources of fuel efficiently. That is our ideal metabolic condition. Now, our bodies have a built-in system always monitoring the situation, you know, of our energy availability. So you've probably heard it, you know, kind of in the context of that, if you don't have enough food, you know, your, your metabolism will slow down. And so that's just kind of a perfect example of the body monitoring the situation. When the body perceives less energy available, it will slow down the rate that it uses energy so that it can prolong what it has, you know, because it's like, okay, um, obviously there's a famine in the world. There's not enough food coming in. And so we better conserve what we have here. We just, we don't know how long this is going to last. So we better dole it out really conservatively, you know? And so everything just kind of slows down. And that's why, you know, slashing calories to lose weight doesn't work in the long term. Your body will adjust and react accordingly. Okay. Um, but it can also be the case that your body is having trouble accessing its energy reserves, you know, that fat on your body to burn as energy. You know, if it can't access that fat for fuel, you might face a similar problem. You know, the body might perceive this as an energy crisis as well. And, um, you know, that could be part of the reason the metabolism is slowing down um, because it cannot access that fat for energy. And then, the, and then it will also drive you to find more energy. You know, you'll have that inner drive to go eat more so you can have more energy. Okay. So what is governing the situation here? You know, what is telling your body to slow down or speed up energy uses, usage? Well, it's hormones. Energy and fat regulation are dictated by hormones. And your body uses your body weight set point as that compass to kind of know which direction to go with its instructions. You know, it wants to defend and keep you at your set point, this point of reference, so it knows how to keep energy regulation balanced. You know, and this is all with the intent of protecting you. You know, your body is always on your side, always has your back, is always trying to do its best by you. Um, and so it's just really important to keep that in mind. So, you know, we can kind of picture this process like a thermostat, you know, get that picture of a thermostat in your head. You know, if you're comfortable at 72 degrees, the thermostat is going to, you know, read the temperature setting um, and, and adjust, you know, adjust from there, you know, it will kick on the heat or the air to maintain that comfortable temperature. And if your body is comfortable with its set point at 200 pounds, it will kick in hormones to maintain that weight and adjust as needed. Okay. So now I can hear your thoughts right now. I can hear you talking to me <laughs> through the sound waves and you're like, um, but what if I'm not comfortable at my set point weight? You know, what if I don't like this set point? What if I don't want to stay here? What if my body keeps staying here? You know, I want to lower this temperature. I want to lower this body weight set point. It's kind of the rub, right? Because when your body weight set point is at a weight that you like, you're fine with the thermostat doing its thing to keep you there. You know, it's what helps us keep things balanced. You know, like as you know that if you just kind of go off on a bender one weekend and you you overeat, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to gain 10 pounds. You know, your body's going to be like, okay, um, you know, too much energy coming in here. We need to burn some fuel. We need to send the hormone that tells this chick that she's full. Stop eating, you know, get this balanced out, you know. 
But when your set point has creeped up over the years, crept up over the years, um, you, you don't want that the thermostat defending that weight. You know, you don't want that weight to represent your new norm and your new point of reference for how your body determines its thermostat setting. So what do you do? Okay, well, first, we have to regulate two major hormones that are key to monitoring our energy availability and usage. And those are insulin and leptin. And part of the reason the body um, the body weight set point creeps up over the years is because these two hormones have gone completely wonky. Okay, your thermostat, you know, has kind of lost control to reasonably signal appropriate times to blow cold or hot air, you know, um, if we're using our metaphor here. And this can happen for a lot of reasons. But some big ones are eating too many carbohydrates and processed food, not getting enough sleep, being overly stressed and yo-yo dieting. Okay, and so now I know you're over there raising your hand like, oh, no wonder I've done all those things. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about it and talk about what to do. Let's start with insulin. Understanding insulin, which is primarily known as the storage hormone. It helps your body store energy, which is so important. I mean, we need, you know, that is one of the major mechanisms. Like we need to be able to store energy. We need to um, our cells to receive the energy so that we can use it so that we can store it and have it when we need it. And that's a, what insulin does, you know, it escorts energy into your cells. And it escorts um, excess energy or, you know, if whatever you're not using right away, it escorts it into the liver and into the muscles um, for store, those are some storage tanks. And then when those storage tanks are full, it escorts it into your fat cells and stores it as fat. Okay, and then the problem comes when we have too much insulin circulating in the body. What does it tell our body to do? Store, store, store. Okay, and we don't want to always be in storage mode. Sometimes we want to be in burning mode, right? Burning fuel, burning energy, burning fat. But we can't be in burn mode and storage mode at the same time. Insulin blocks burning mode, okay? And the primary thing that overproduces insulin in our bodies and keeps us in that perpetual storage mode is eating too many carbohydrates and eating too often throughout the day. You know, that just sets off insulin all the time. You're giving, you know, that's insulin's job is to, to deal with that energy coming in and put it where it needs to go, you know? And so um, insulin is escorting glucose, like I said, which is sugar. Remember that all carbs turn to sugar in the blood. So it goes to the liver, goes to the muscles. When those are full, it goes to your fat cells. And so excess carbs end up becoming fat. All right. And not only that, but when we're eating too many carbs and constantly setting off insulin, your body gets sick of it showing up all the time. Okay, this is, this is where we lead to classic insulin resistance. Your body is like, back off, Jack. Okay, back off insulin. I've got other, thing, other things to do besides always dealing with you. You are taking up too much of my time. And so when that happens, your cells become insulin resistant. They resist letting insulin bring energy into the cells. Okay, I have this analogy that I teach in Feast to Fast, and it's called the pesky neighbor. And so it'd be like if you had a neighbor that constantly texted you and was always showing up on your doorstep and knocking on the door and ringing the doorbell, 
you know, after a while, you would start avoiding her. You know, you stop engaging and not answer her texts and you like probably hide when she comes to the door. Like, I am not home. I do not have time to deal with you. And that's what our cells do when insulin keeps showing up. The problem is then your cells don't get the energy. Okay, when you're insulin resistant, your cells don't get the energy. And so your body's like, "Uh uh-oh, we have an energy crisis here. There's no energy available. And it can't burn fat for energy either because you have so much insulin circulating in your system. You know, and so remember that insulin blocks fat burning. And so this whole situation is a, a recipe for diabetes and obesity. Okay. Meanwhile, as you're socking away energy in your fat cells, right, you're kind of, you're all this carb and all this insulin and all this excess, you know, you are um, growing your fat cells, you are gaining weight. Um, What happens is you're also adjusting the way your body utilizes leptin. Okay, leptin's the other hormone we're talking about. It's the hormone that signals our brains that we're full, that we don't need any more energy coming in. It's what I call the put down the fork sister hormone. Put down the fork sister. We're done here. You're full. Stop eating. On the flip side of that, we have a hormone called ghrelin, which is what tells us to pick up the fork sister. It's the one that tells us we're hungry. It's time to put in more energy, time to eat. Now, what's interesting about leptin is that it is produced by our fat cells and signals the brain that we're full, we have enough energy, stop eating, no mas por favor. And this makes sense, right? Because leptin is like the on-site manager in your fat. You know, it's kind of like the man on the ground and the fat cells with its finger on the pulse of what's happening. Like, yep, we're good here, you know? We are good here in the fat department. You know, I'm going to send a message up to the big wigs in the brain to stop sending energy. And so when I first started learning about leptin, I was like, okay, well, if someone is overweight and has excess fat, they should be getting this message loud and clear, right? That would make sense. You know, like, okay, you're, you're obviously would be producing leptin and, you know, getting that message to stop eating and we're full you know, the more, um, the more fat that you have on your body. Unfortunately, that's not the way that it works. Just like the body can get tired of seeing insulin all the time, it can also get tired of seeing leptin all the time. And so you can become leptin resistant, just like you can become insulin resistant. So what happens then is the brain is not getting that message that there's plenty of fat and we're full and to stop eating. Okay, and so that becomes a problem. Now, a person who is at a more ideal weight is going to register this leptin signaling more efficiently, but the overweight person is not. I know, right? That just seems so messed up. (laughs) It seems so not right. Um, It's when this insulin and leptin signaling get messed up that our set point increases and the body is doing what it can to try and normalize the battle between, you know, the battle between the hot and cold air, you know, like this one's blowing, this one's blowing, they're fighting it out. We can't get to this, you know, the temperature, um, the ideal temperature, just, you know, kind of think about it in that context. You know, insulin is trying to get your body to store. Leptin is trying to get your body to stop storing. And this is all very disruptive to the body's ability to maintain good energy regulation. 
And I mean, we haven't even talked about cortisol yet. You know, that's the stress hormone. And the more you have floating around, the more cortisol you have floating around in your body, um, it's going to always throw off that setting on your thermostat because excess cortisol can make you insulin resistant, which, you know, in turn can lead to the leptin resistance. Ay, ay, ay. You know, what is a girl to do with all of this information, you know, because we can see how things can get really messed up. We can see how we're gaining weight and then the body, you know, starts accepting this higher weight as our new norm. It's like, okay, this is our weight. Let's just try to stay here and get this figured out at this weight, you know, but then um, you might gain weight again. You know, yo-yo dieting is one of the worst things you can do. Um, for your body weight set points, so confusing, so disruptive, you know, you gain weight, you lose weight. And each time, you know, you're gaining a little bit more, and it's pushing that body weight set point up more and more. And so your body is like, I mean, dude, (laughs) what is going on here, but it's going to try, it is going to try to maintain um, some sense of homeostasis, some sense of balance of energy regulation based on this new body weight set point, you know, trying to keep that managed. Okay. Um, but I know, I know that many of you don't want the, you know, the set point you may be at now. And so let's talk about this. Let's talk about some strategy and solutions. Okay. So first and foremost, if you haven't reduced your carb load, start there. Okay, the unopposed carb train, like just eating carbs, overly eating carbs and just not having a plan around that and not realizing it, all of that, it is going to work against you, your health, your weight for your whole life. Okay, it is something you really have to understand, rein in, engage and just get a feel for what what is going to work for you. That doesn't mean carbs are bad, you know, or that you can't eat them or that you have to go super low carb, like in a keto diet. It means that it, they need to be more proportionate to protein and healthy fat. Okay. And in Feast of Fast, we try to keep our carbs below mm, 75-ish grams on most days, not every day, but most days. And so this will help reduce insulin. Okay. When we keep our carbs at reasonable levels then we're, you know, insulin does not have to show up as often. It reduces insulin and helps um, to work on making the cells more insulin sensitive instead of insulin resistant so that the body can actually register that energy is available and actually have the opportunity to burn fat. Okay, so lowering your carbs is numero uno. Another basic um, to cover is sleep. You know, that's probably, maybe that one should be numero uno. You know, I'm telling you, you guys, sleep is as important as food. It might be more important than food. Okay. I mean, you can eat well, but if you're not getting enough sleep, it's a major stressor on the body. And with stress um, comes cortisol, which again can lead to insulin resistance and leptin resistance and that whole cascade of problems. Plus, you can't detoxify properly because you do most of your detoxification when you're sleeping. And so that's another added stress on the body that can also disrupt this whole energy regulation system. I mean, also remember that our toxins are stored in our fat. And that is your that is by design. Um, that is by design to protect you because it keeps the toxins away from your vital organs. And so 
Um, it's really, you know, I'm always like, thank you, God, that was a really smart way to do it. <laughs> but, you know, the more toxic you are, the more fat you need to protect yourself and the and the more resistant the body's going to be to releasing to burning fat and, and getting rid of fat because it's like, good Lord, we have all these toxins in here, you know, that are going to come with this, um, this release of burning the fat for energy. So, you know, reducing your toxin load is really important, but you know, first and foremost, you have to be able to detoxify, which we do mostly while we're sleeping. So lower your carbs, get your sleep, eat real food the way God made it, food that your body can actually recognize and use, and make sure you're getting plenty of water. Those are just basics, y'all. I'm going to tell you that, you know, all the time here on this podcast, because you just cannot get around that for long-term health. Those are basics, and you will always need them. Those needs of the body will never change. Now, if you've still got all that going on and still need to bust through a metabolic plateau, um, got a few more ideas and strategies that you can do. Okay, fasting, you know it's one of my faves. Fasting is an amazing way to reset your thermostat, you know, and get that hot and cold air blowing at the appropriate times. It's a fast track way to lower insulin and help the body get back to recognizing true hunger and satiety signals. You know, satiety being a fancy word for full you know, and fasting, um, you know, it's not as alarming or as much of a stressor to the body as trying to undereat by drastically cutting calories. You know, again, the body will respond to that by slowing metabolism to conserve energy. But fasting doesn't do that because you're still getting plenty to eat. You just allowed your body the opportunity, the space um, to burn some of its stored energy. Okay. And in Feast to Fast, we practice intermittent fasting you know, anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a night. And we also incorporate super fasts, which are longer fasts um, that we don't necessarily set a specific amount of time for. What I do is ask my feast of fasters just to, to kind of push their boundaries a little bit and fast for longer than they already have so far. So far. Um, and so, you know, push those boundaries and just lean into the Lord a little bit and really, um, really see how long you can, you can go, you know. Um, so fasting in general, it's just, it's an overall excellent spiritual, mental, and physical tool. And if you are not doing it yet, why not, homie? It is time. Now, the other thing that we do in Feast of Fast, um, which is not only good for metabolic flexibility, but is also great for sustainability in your eating plan, um, is feasting. We're having a few days a week where you can eat more carbs and fun foods. You know, we call them heck yells and feast of fast that aren't necessarily great for you, but that you don't want to give up for forever. You know, and feast days are a perfect time to, you know, have those and, you know, especially kind of plan your feast days for holidays and birthdays and vacations and, you know, times when we celebrate, you know, feasting is a part of the natural and nor normal rhythm of eating. Historically, people celebrated feasts all the time. You know, we read about feasts in the Bible. But also historically, those feasts were balanced out by fasts, feasting and fasting, right? However, in modern times, we kind of ignore the fasting part. You know, we feast and we feast, but we don't dial it back enough to balance things out. And we need to get back into that rhythm, which is why I created Feast of Fast. You know, sometimes we feast 
and sometimes we fast. And our bodies are not only designed to handle that, but it can be really good for the metabolism. That change up of fasting and feasting keeps our body, keeps our metabolism on its toes by asking our body to use energy and hormones in a, in a different and efficient way, you know, and in, in be adaptable, um, adaptable and flexible. And just, again, you know, being like that hybrid car that can burn both glucose and fat um, really easily and efficiently, you know, switching back and forth and being able to be a fat burner or a sugar burner, not being, you know, kind of pigeonholed one way or the other. Um, and just also we want to ask our metabolisms to be flexible and adaptable and able to think on its toes. And so when we, when we intersperse, you know, these feast days among our fasting times, you know, um, it just, that's, it's really good for the metabolism, Again, it makes us adaptable, which is a really important quality in the world. It keeps the metabolism sharp, and it can be a great way to kind of dislodge that plateau you may be stuck in. You know, it's kind of in that same vein. You've probably heard that it's good to change up your exercise so that it keeps the body challenged and the workouts effective, and it's that same principle. You know, a little change up in eating routine, like the feasting and fasting, can keep your metabolism efficient and effective. And so why we are talking about exercise, that's another way you can bust through a metabolic plateau. Um, short bursts of intense exercise, like sprints or a HIIT workout, are great for torching fat and moving the needle on a metabolic plateau or on a you know body weight set point. You've heard me talk here about how much I love doing sprints. You know, I don't love running. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a runner at all. But I like I love walking and then I love breaking out into a sprint, you know? And it's that change up between walking and busting out in a fast run and kind of alternating that, alternating those moves. It's just so good for the body. You know, again, it asks the body to be really um, flexible and adaptable on its toes, you know, ready to, to utilize energy in a different way. And so it's these occasional change-ups of interjecting more intense movement, um, you know, that keep the body challenged and prevent it from setting into a routine that becomes ineffective, you know, because the body will start adapting to repetitive action. You know, like if you are, you know, doing the same kind of aerobic exercise, if you're just running and running and running every day, I mean, you're, you're still, it's great, you know, still getting cardiovascular, you're still moving and that's great, but your body will start to adapt to that um, by using the least amount of oxygen and energy to perform the work. You know, and this is your, just your body's way of conserving energy and becoming efficient. It's like over time, it's like, okay, I got this girl figured out. This is what she's going to do every day. So, you know, how can I, how can we still do this, but I can just save as much energy as I possibly can? You know, I mean, the body's kind of always looking for ways to do that because it wants to, again, it wants to protect you. And so it will adapt, um, you know, it can adapt to these just never changing um, eating patterns or this never changing exercise pattern. And so when we can approach it and just in a, a helpful, helpful way to change up, you know, doing these healthfully in in a smart way by incorporating into this feasting and fasting or, you know, alternating more simple movement with more intense movement. It's just excellent, you know, excellent for the body. 
Um, and so, um, it, you know, what I think is interesting is that the way, speaking of the way of exercising in this way, kind of that simple movement and interjecting with um, more intense movements here and there, that would really be in line with how our ancestors moved. You know, they did a lot of walking, a lot of low grade, non-stressful movements, but then sometimes they needed more hustle and muscle. You know, occasionally they, they had to run fast and they had to lift heavy things, you know, for building or doing specific tasks. Okay, I mean, because they, they really had functional exercise. You know, our ancestors were not going to the gym, obviously. You know, they, their everyday life required a lot of movement. Most of it was, um, you know, more of like a simple, low-grade, non-stressful movement. But then there would have been times they would have needed to run. They would have needed to um, use that, m you know, muscle to like move something, lift something, build something, you know, that kind of thing. So it just, it's really, I just think it's so fascinating to look and always be looking at it from that perspective, you know, looking back to get a little bit of insight into what our bodies are really meant to do, you know. Um, but again, it's that rhythm of this change up, whether it's feasting and fasting, um, or this change up with the exercise that is just really, um, can be really effective for, uh, busting through a metabolic plateau and helping to, um, kind of shift that body weight set point. Okay. So I hope that what we've talked about here has given you some good insight, you know, as to body weight set point, maybe you weren't even aware, but now maybe something makes more sense. Like, Oh, why I can't like ever just get past this, this three to five pound range, you know, the body, it seems like the body is just wants to take me back, <laughs> you know, um, and that can be frustrating. So hopefully you're gaining some understanding around that from, from our discussion today and, um, having more insight about what to do, getting some inspiration, you know, and some ideas on some of these tools, um, that we can use to bust through these chains that seem to be holding us back, you know, and you can always join us for, um, a round of Feast to Fast, you know, I, I'm always holding rounds of Feast to Fast, which is my four-week metabolic makeover, and we put all these things together. That is exactly why I created it the way I did, you know, um, you know, all of these points that we talked about today, you know, all this, just all of this, this information and this input, it's like, okay, how can we figure out a way to eat that honors our body, that keeps us healthy, that keeps our energy and hormonal you know, um, regulation on point, our, our thermostat set at the right temperature, right? But also do it all in a way that's sustainable, that, I, you know, in a way that you can live with for forever, you know, that's where the, the beauty of the feasting and the heck yeah's come in. So um, anyway, just, you know, it's where in Feast of Fast, we put it all together, we streamline it, and it's just, we apply it you know, and we put God first the whole way. And so I know that if you love the information that you get here and, you know, you love the Lord and you want better health, I just know you'll love Feast of Fast. And so, um, like I said, I'm, I'm always running rounds of those. So get in on the next round and join us. I think you will love it. All right, my friend, thank you so much for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week. Hi everyone.
one, remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.